You ever heard of the theory of change? We're going to talk about it today on the Mark Harrington Show. Also, we're going to be addressing the issue of criminalization, which has become a topic now that we are looking at the imminent overturning of Roe versus Wade. What do we do with women who are committing abortions in states where it's illegal? That's something we need to address. I'll be talking about that today, along with this open letter from the National Right to Life Committee, where 70 pro-life groups signed on saying they oppose any legislation that criminalizes women. Stay tuned. Activist Radio, the Mark Harrington Show is brought to you by Created Equal, and you can support the ministry and the radio program by going to createdequal.org. Just uh, click on the donate link. Uh, we would appreciate any support you can send us. And also, you can subscribe to the pro- podcast, share it, and if the, pro- if the program is worthy of your support, please give us a five-star review. So today on the program, we're going to be talking about uh, the theory of change and we're going to have a response to some of the uptick or the increase in violence, pro-abortion violence in regards to uh, the Dobbs v. Jackson case that's happening here in North America. And as my guest today is Blaze Aline. Blaze, thanks for being on the show. Thanks so much for having me. Well, I wanted to have you on since we were together in New York City uh, just a while back. Uh, first time I had met you and heard about you a lot. Of course, our interns love to sit around and and hear your war stories from Canada, you know, because Canada is a little different than yeah. America when it comes to the pro-life issue and, and the movement. You know, we've got a lot better here. I guess better is relative in the sense that our laws are moving in the right direction. Canada is a little different animal, but uh so I'm, I was always interested in having you on, and now we've got the opportunity to do that. So we appreciate you being on. Just a little background here, Blaze. I want you to tell us uh, who you are and where you came from, and how you got involved in uh, in abortion and in, in this in the fight for the unborn. Yeah, sure. Well, it's it's great to be on, and it was great to be with you guys in New York City. It's great to draw inspiration and support from the American pro-life movement, because as you say, things are heading in the right direction there, and we need that kind of support and inspiration here in Canada. Amen. Um, I I grew up pro-life uh, by default. I'm a Catholic. Um, it was when I was 11 that I first saw abortion victim photography driving mm. down the street with my family, mm. and I remember asking my parents, what that was, like what the photos were. And all I remember was the word abortion. And I knew what abortion looked like and I knew that it was wrong. When I was in high school, did a pro-life debate and I wanted to show my classmates, um, you know, partial birth abortion and and, and procedures and and the horrors. And I was convicted as a pro-lifer, but I became active in university. When Mm -hmm. I hit the University of Toronto, um, this is 2005, 2006, when I started my undergrad degree. And that's where I first encountered uh, CCBR. And the first time I did pro-life activism was GAP, the Genocide Awareness Project at the University of Toronto campus, would have been spring 2006. And um, I remember being nervous about participating and I was just kind of 
watch and observe from a distance. And I decided to skip all my classes that day and just talk to people about abortion because <laughs> I saw how effective it was. And Yeah. So, folks, um, just so you know, let me interrupt here for a second. And that yeah. is so people need to understand the Center for Bioethical Reform. That is the American organization. The Canadian Center for Bioethical Reform was started by Stephanie Gray and Jojo Ruba years and years ago, back in 2000. That's when I met Stephanie Gray. And since then has grown to this organization that has two, as far as I know, and you can correct me if I'm wrong here, Blaze, you have two main offices, one's in Toronto, one's in um, British Columbia, right? And and so in 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 Calgary, in Alberta, in Alberta. The, sorry, the other main office, right? Yeah. That's but we have we have we have some staff in uh, in British Columbia and in Manitoba too, but two main offices. Yeah. Okay. And so you yeah. were you were a college student, and CCBR brought the Genocide Awareness Project, which compares abortion to historical genocide. These gigantic photo murals on the campus, and that was your introduction to pro life activism. I'd like to hear from you about when you came to understand what we call this theory of change. And I want people to, you know, their eyes to start glazing over and thinking, oh, boy, what's this? Uh, <laughs> when did you first hear about that? Because that is, you know, most people aren't familiar with what that means. Yeah. So I got connected with pro-life activism in, in undergrad at, at college. Um, CCBR started in 2001. In 2011, CCBR launched an end the killing plan. It was inspired mm -hmm. by CBR in, in, in the U.S. to bring abortion victim photography and by Scott Klusendorf from the Life Training Institute to bring human rights apologetics. And the end the killing plan mm -hmm. is a plan in Canada to systematically bring those two things, the human rights apologetics and abortion victim photography mm -hmm. across the entire country. So I was inspired as a volunteer here in Toronto to see this approach like working backwards from that goal. If we want to have an abortion-free Canada, we need to make abortion unthinkable. If we want to make abortion unthinkable, we need to reach everyone with the photos and everyone with the apologetics. And I encountered the concept of a theory of change from an internet activist, Aaron Schwartz, hmm. who was talking about the difference between a theory of action and theory of change. He was, he was explaining that like most people in most walks of life, they have a theory of action. We look and we ask like, what can I do? right? Try and work yeah. forwards. Right. Theory of change is like, what must be done? What's the goal? Yeah. And work backwards from that. And I saw that in what CCBR was doing. I'm like, that's theory of change thinking. That's a vision driven strategy. You know, and that's the thing I think we need to take a moment here and kind of unpack a little bit because uh, it may have this title theory of change, but the notion is this, that you, you take the goal, which is to make abortion unthinkable in Canada or in America, make it illegal course, you have to make it unthinkable first. And you work backwards thinking, OK, how do we achieve that goal? Right. Rather than, say, an activist like myself saying, what can I do? What what talents and gifts might I lend to this cause and then go do it? Uh, you exactly. know, Greg, Greg Cunningham used to do it this way. He used to say it this way. We didn't have the term theory of change, but he would always say to me, Mark, we need to do what most needs to be done not what we most want to do. <laughs> and I thought that is really nailing it because I think, unfortunately, there are a lot of us who want to do what we want to do. <laughs> I mean, and in some ways, there's nothing wrong with that. We want to use our gifts. But if those things don't actually bring change, that's not a strategy for victory. Yeah, yeah, exactly. 
And, uh, you know, CCBR didn't have the language of theory of change either, but it had that kind of Greg Cunningham thinking and vision right. of just being driven by what must be done. Right. I'll, I'll give you one example of this from Toronto. A uh, friend of mine, Talia, she did an internship with CCBR, so a summer doing pro-life work. And then she went back to her university campus, Ryerson University in downtown Toronto, and she was trying to find other pro-lifers who would make abortion unthinkable on campus. And there were some other pro-lifers who wanted to hand out pro-life pens or, you know, get a pro-life yeah. club or something, but, <laughs> right. But she was focused on, okay, what has to be done? And she's like, I need to make abortion impossible to ignore. I need yes. to bring the photos and the apologetics. So right. working backwards from the goal, she was like, you know, I don't need 10, 20 Ryerson students. I just need enough people to get started. Right. So it changed her course of action because she was driven by what had to be done. And we turned that campus upside down in the course of a couple of weeks by bringing regular abortion victim photography there. She went and found help from us at the University of Toronto, from people at CCBR and other organizations. And like it, it, it gives you a different answer when you're focused on what we have to do rather than just what's available to us right now or what. Right. What it's, can a, we do. it's so profound, yet I think missed by so many activists. They don't think this way. They just don't think strategically. They don't think tactically. Uh, there are very few in, in the world that I can point to that, that get this. I think this is key. My wife put it this way. She when I began the pro-life work that I was doing, she goes, well, Mark, you can do a lot of things. You can be a speaker, writer, blogger. Nothing wrong with that. But what most needs to be done and what we decided was to raise up an organization that trains young people in pro-life apologetics and takes them out into the public square using abortion victim photography to change culture. Because we know that politics is downstream from culture. If we're ever going to outlaw abortion, we have to first make it unthinkable. And I, that's the philosophy that drove us with CBR, now with you and CCBR. And I think more people in America are starting to get it, uh, hopefully. And so let's talk about, you know, your background a little bit. Uh, and I don't want to get too far off of this, but it's a, a really interesting. In your bio, you, you, you're a technologist, which I thought, well, that's an interesting term. I, I'm not ever heard it put that way. Musician, writer and speaker and activist. So let's talk about that whole package and why I think makes you a little bit unique in some ways to the typical or stereotypical pro-life activist. Right. Yeah, sure. So I did, um, I studied computer science with okay. minors in English and philosophy in college. Um, so I like to say Plato, Python, and Shakespeare. And, um, <laughs> you know, I was focused working as a web developer, a technology consultant. I was doing writing on technology and I was volunteering in the pro-life movement. I was volunteering with UFD Students for Life. I restarted the activism team on the yeah. campus there and was volunteering. I still am as a board member of Toronto Right to Life, which does the same kind of work as Created Equal and CCBR mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. locally here in Toronto. And um, I, I actually started doing uh I was doing CCBR's website as a freelance web developer for years before I joined staff. So I was kind of on the peripheral of the pro-life movement, volunteering a ton, working um, in technology. But I just, I was just drawn more and more into pro-life work. Like it's just so much more important to be, absolutely, you know, reaching people with the truth about abortion rather than helping create software for insurance companies or something. So I was drawn to yeah. uh, change my primary work to work in the pro-life movement full-time. Um, I started part-time with CCBR in 2016 and I've been full-time for about three years. 
now, but I still try to use those uh, technology skills helping CCBR out uh, in terms of website and database work and that sort of thing, but also strategy and apologetics and activism and just doing what needs to be done to reach people with the truth about abortion in Canada. My guest is Blaise Aline, and uh, we're talking to him about the work in Canada with the Canadian Center for Bioethical Reform. You can go to endthekilling.ca. That's endthekilling.ca to find out more about the organization. Blaze, as you've been watching from afar, at least over the border, what's happening in the United States with the, I think, imminent overturning of Roe versus Wade, uh, how does that impact you guys up there? I, I've been thinking about that lately and the world, I guess. We don't really know for sure, uh, but how does it impact the work you're doing? If, if and when this does this happen, which I think it's going to here in the next month. Right. Well, we definitely hear about, uh, I mean, even on the streets, what's going on in the United States. I remember a few years back, I was doing outreach in downtown Toronto and uh, uh, somebody was, you know, uh, swearing at me or telling me off about Brett Kavanaugh. And I was <laughs> like, who's Brett Kavanaugh? And I had to look up. It was in the middle of the confirmation <laughs> hearings, right? So I heard about it first from the streets of Toronto doing outreach and activism. So like there's an election going on in Ontario right now and abortion has hit the headlines and become an election issue because of the Dobbs case right? and Roe versus Wade news from south of the border. So um, it definitely impacts the conversation here. Something that we just have to kind of keep doing what we're doing and keep bringing the truth about abortion, capitalize on that opportunity where people are thinking and talking about abortion to make sure that they see the victims and hear the truth about abortion. You know, I, I was interviewed by the New Yorker recently. Uh, they came out on campus at the University of Florida and, and the reporter had a really good question. She said that, uh, you know, public opinion in America has stayed pretty static over the last 40 years or so. There's been a small move towards her life issue. But we are about ready to overturn Roe versus Wade in spite of that, be honest with you. And we hold to the view, as you guys do, that you need to change culture before you change the law. But I reminded her that the law is also a teacher. And when people see Roe overturned or they see a law passed in a state that restricts or bans abortion, that's a teacher as well. Because people reason to the conclusion that if abortion is illegal, that it's probably immoral. Uh, I know in, in Canada, you guys have no laws, as far as I can tell, on abortion. No but but the discussion is happening in the United States. I think that that's going to have an impact probably in your abortion numbers in, in, in Canada. Would, do you think that's a possibility? I think it's a possibility. I mean, like it's definitely impacting the public conversation. I think there's um, mm -hmm. a lot of work to be done. We focus on changing the culture like Created Equal, but we work with political partners that are working on trying to change the law. You know, most most Canadians support abortion, but three quarters of Canadians have no idea what that we is. have no laws yeah. on abortion. Well, it, th they think it's restricted in in the second or third trimester. You know, most Canadians are uncomfortable with late term abortions. So there's there are opportunities for incremental pro-life laws in Canada to kind of catch up to the U.S. Mm -hmm. and uh, a lot of hard work to be done here still. But um, we draw inspiration from what's going on south of the border that, you know, decades of this kind of persistent work can make this kind of impact. Now, let's talk about what you're doing in Canada. Uh, I think it's highly impressive the way that you guys go about your work. You 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 document it. You're constantly, you know, kind of measuring and figuring out what works most best. If you would share some of the tactics that you guys use in Canada 
Uh, we use some of them here and the effects that you've seen. Yeah, sure. So, um, I mean, first of all, I still feel like a bit of a CCBR fanboy. I was a volunteer on the outside <laughs> for 10 years and I was just so inspired by the work CCBR was doing. That's what led me to join staff. So it feels weird, you know, talking about CCBR. I'm still such a fan. But the reason I'm such <laughs> a fan you know, with that theory of change thinking, working backwards from the goal, it's mm -hmm. like all the way from the vision, all the way down to every concrete action you take, you're mapping out a path. So by the time you're doing anything, it's on a path to the goal. And you can measure that to see if it's actually working. So for example, right. in, uh, in, in 2015, uh, before I joined staff, I was attending a CCBR crash course. And I asked my now colleague, Jonathan Van Maren, I'm like, okay, I know the photos work. I've seen him work. I've heard the stories, but like, the plural of anecdote isn't data. How do we know it works at scale? And he says, stay mm -hmm. tuned because CCBR had just hired a polling firm to conduct before and after polling on the effects on public opinion of abortion victim photography. And we found that up to 67% of people who see the photos report increased negative feelings on abortion, right? And that's what we're measuring, not like if they like us, but what they think about abortion. Right. So constantly measuring, constantly trying to figure out what do we need to do to shift public opinion. And in, in, in Canada, do you guys still, within the pro-life movement, an in-house debate over victim photography and the effectiveness of it? Is that kind of a, uh, that that debate's long ago and far away? Because in the United States, it's no longer really a debate. There are people that don't use them, of course, but for other reasons, I would say. But is that kind of a, uh, still an in-house disagreement within a lot of the pro-life movement up there or no? I think it has changed a lot because of the work of CCBR. So like 15 years back when I first connected to CCBR, abortion victim photography was a lot more controversial. And and mm -hmm. some of my colleagues would describe CCBR as sort of being the outlaws of the pro-life movement at, at the time. <laughs> but CCBR has mainstreamed yeah. abortion victim photography. And we've shown through, especially the last decade of the End the Killing Plan, like the all the testimonies, the growth, the young people getting involved and, um, you know, uh, CCBR and other organizations that use abortion victim photography are the ones who are speaking at or organizing the pro-life marches or the conference. Like it has definitely right. been a, it, it's, it's not that it isn't still controversial or debated in some circles, but it's mainstream now that if you're doing pro-life activism in many places across the country, that involves abortion victim photography. It's right. not and I think that's the mainstream. case in the United States as well. You know, it's, it was great. Cunningham was said that social reformers are never liked and like reformers are rarely, if ever, effective. It's true. There's kind of an inverse relationship between being effective and being liked. Right. The, not necessarily the case that if you're if you're not liked, you're you're going to be effective. That doesn't necessarily follow. But in social reform, that is um, almost always the case. And that goes with the theory of change as well. What most needs to be done. If you want to be liked, you're more likely not going to be very effective, especially if you're pushing against a culture that supports child killing. Yeah. And you have to be measuring the right things, right? So, you know, there were, um, there were focus groups done by some other Canadian pro-life groups several years back about different pro-life messaging. And it was like, you know, what do you think about the organization? And if you understand social reform, like Greg Cunningham does, it's the wrong question to be asking, right? When mm -hmm. CCBR was doing polling, it's what do you think about abortion? Exactly. And are we increasing people's negative feelings on abortion? There's right. a, um, we were on a, our team was on a campus one year. We had been there a year prior and a student came up and said, you know, last year my friend was there. She was screaming and yelling at you guys, swearing at you. She thought you were the worst. 
over the past year, she became pregnant. She couldn't bring herself to have an abortion because exactly. of the photos, but she still thinks you guys are a-holes, right? And I mean, <laughs> it's not because yeah, anyone she kept treated her, baby. her wrong. But she kept her baby, right? So it's a win. It's a exactly. win, right? I'll take that That's any day. I'll measure. take that trade off exactly. anytime. They can hate me as long exactly. as they hate abortion. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? So it's like theory of change is measuring the right thing and aiming for the right thing. It's not that we're mean to people, but it's that the bottom line is, are the babies alive? Again, I've been speaking to Blaze Aline from the Canadian Center for Bioethical Reform. Blaze, thanks for being on the show. Thanks so much for having me. So, friends, I want you to take action today, and here's how you can do it. You can go to MarkHarringtonShow.com, submit a comment or question, and I will bring it up on the air. I can answer your question, read your comment. So go to MarkHarringtonShow.com. You can be part of the program by doing that. Give us some feedback if you would. Also, uh, you can subscribe to the Mark Harrington Show at Radio Activist by going to any of the popular podcasting platforms. You can subscribe to it, share it, and tell everybody you know about it. That's one way to get the message out. And finally, we've been talking about the overturning of Roe versus Wade. And uh, last week, I had Eric Scheidler on the program. We talked about the spontaneous uh, recognition, that is, of the overturning of Roe. When the decision is handed down, we are asking people to go to their courthouse, local courthouse, their local abortion center, or state house or federal building and be part of a national rally that'll be taking place on the decision day. And you can find out more by going over to overturnrow.org. For the final few minutes here, I want to address something that came up this week. The National Right to Life Committee released an open letter to state lawmakers across America directing them to exempt women from prosecution of illegal abortions in states that would attempt to outlaw it when Roe is overturned. Well, it, you know, on the surface of that, it probably doesn't sound like a bad idea. Unfortunately, there were some problems with this letter. And, and, and I want to be careful here because a lot of the signers are friends of mine. And we just don't see eye to eye on this, uh, per se. Uh, I mean, the letter itself uh, you know, getting out front of this, trying to explain what a post-Roe America would look like when it comes to equal protection and how we treat uh, women and, and abortionists if they break the law is a discussion we need to have. So the notion of the letter is not a bad idea. I just think they went about it the wrong way. In fact, it, it almost appears that if you're, you're, you're not pro-life, if you don't believe in equal protection and treating the born like the preborn and prosecuting those who commit abortions. And I think that's a mistake. I think there are a lot of people in the movement that disagree with that position, right? I, I just think that there are a lot of people, and these are people that we can disagree with and be uh, and, and not be disagreeable. Uh, the other thing is that the letter itself relies on very old data, decades old data. I think it's time to kind of research this a little more and find out what it is. Do women really believe they're victims? Are they victims or not? The data that's used in this letter are from mostly from the 1980s and 90s. So I think we need to do a little more research into this subject because this is going to be the issue going forward as states move to outlaw abortion. Also, something that's not addressed in the letter, which I think is the elephant in the room, 
for me, and that is the increased use of pill abortions and mail-in abortions and, and do-it-yourself abortions where women are cutting out the abortionists. There is no abortionist involved for the most part. I mean, they're just mailing these out, these pills to women through a video conference typically with someone, a physician typically on the other side, and they're picking them up either at the pharmacy or they're getting them delivered to the home. I think that changes the calculus a whole bunch on this. When 50% of all abortions are done by pill abortions in your own home, delivering a baby into a toilet, uh, there is no abortionist really involved. The woman knows exactly what they're doing, and I think that needs to be addressed. Now, one last thing I do agree with on this letter, and that is abortionists should be held accountable for sure. Uh, they know what they're doing. They're, they assemble the um, instruments on the table. They're more than likely guided by ultrasound to dismember the baby. They are certainly culpable for what they do and should be accountable. That's one thing we can all agree on. Uh, the thing we are going to have to think through a little further is what do we do with those who actually commit the abortions, the women, the parents, and the supporting cast. That's something that needs to be discussed. And unfortunately, I don't think this letter really addresses the, the complexity of this issue. It basically says women are victims, therefore they should not be criminalized if abortion is made illegal Again, I don't think that's an adequate answer. I think the culture is looking for more. And I can tell you that does not fly on college campuses. As someone who travels campuses, I know that isn't going to fly. Just saying that women are victims. I'm going to spend more time on this in the coming programs because I think it is an issue that we need to be informed on and have a defense for the unborn as we move forward in a post-Roe America. We'll see you next time. God bless you. God bless America. And remember America to bless God. You've been listening to Mark Harrington, your radio activist. For more information on how to make a difference for the cause of life, liberty, and justice, go to createdequal.org. To follow Mark, go to markharringtonshow.com. Be sure to tune in next time for your marching orders in the culture war.